Welcome back to episode four of Blue Milk Boys, uh, part two of episode four, version two of episode four, because this is actually our uh, second attempt at recording this podcast. Our uh, unofficial fourth member of the show, Craig, uh, the bot we use in Discord to record the show, kind of just like spiked the audio that we recorded. It was really like hilarious how bad it was when uh, when you heard our voices, the pitch would just alter and our voices would just get deeper out of nowhere uh patently hilarious but now we're back doing a second attempt at he recording. sabotaged us <laughs> he, just call it what it is he knew it was the best episode by far and it'll be lost forever now bro i'm telling you there is a conspiracy going on with podcasting it, it is extremely hard to like create a podcast and post it they're this raising the gates on us. We talked about this uh, Roblox. on like the very prelude episode. They they keep raising the gates of uh, entry for podcasting because they don't want us they don't want us pores uh, making podcasts and, and <laughs> getting in on the uh, on the share of all this uh, podcasting money that's going around. Yeah. So this is our uh, second attempt at recording episode four, of Blue Milk Boys. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined once again by my brothers in the forest, Spencer and Fredo, uh, fellas. Before we get into all the Star Wars talk. We've all seen the Ryan Johnson who done it knives out. What do we think? <laughs> this he is a resident on his hands. This is a resident last Jedi safe space. Yeah. We love Ryan Johnson over here. He's and a legend. So he, I I I tweeted about it, man. He's on a he's on a heater of a three film run with Looper, The Last Jedi, and now Knives Out. Yes. Because the first I, time I saw I him, him, I mean First time I heard of him, it, it was the Breaking Bad episode. I think Ozzy Mondias, Mondias was called. Um, what was the episode about? I even knew the director. It was, it was instantly my favorite Breaking Bad episode, and I found out about Ryan Johnson when he was going to direct the Last Jedi, and yeah, I've been in love with him, with him ever since. Spencer, what did you think of Knives Out? Uh, I just got to say, during yesterday's podcast, I should get to preserve the audio because I was. Shit faced out of my brains. It was that really entire like time. stupidly chuck. It was so funny. <laughs> I think I had like seven glasses of vodka at that point. <laughs> it was crazy. I barely remember what we talked about, to be honest with you. I was so gone. But uh yeah, the movie was super good. Um gosh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it because everyone should see it, but there's so many twists in the movies that keep it fresh. And certainly a twist that you just wouldn't even expect, like after the tw- first twist. So the idea that you can keep a whodunit movie interesting and do it in a different way than the original uh, type of like traditional format of like how those kinds of movies go through is really creative and really fun. And the, I mean, the cast obviously is pretty insane when you break it down too. So it kind of just all pulled together in one like great thing. Yeah. There are things that like you'll see, like you see things in life and you kind of know that greatness will like immediately follow. It's like when Kyrie Irving's jersey becomes untucked or like when Kobe puts his jersey in his mouth or something like that. And, you know, they're about to go crazy. Whenever Ryan Johnson sits in a director's chair, it's the same effect. You know, yeah. like greatness is on the horizon. And so. Yeah. I love the movie. I thought like it was a really unique take on, you know, the whodunit genre. Daniel Craig was my favorite part of this entire movie. Like they did have, they gave him like the, the Frank Underwood, like foghorn leghorn mix of an accent. And he did such a great job. He felt like so like natural in the character. 
Oh, it's, it's so fun to watch. Oh, so good, man. I, it's probably my favorite movie that I've seen uh, this year in 2019. Wait, wait you, you don't like the Joker? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> um, the Joker, like this was the, the Joker was the last movie I'd seen in theaters before Knives Out. And I'm like externally, like I'm thankful on a level above the movie itself for Ryan Johnson making this movie because it completely washed the taste of the Joker movie out of my mouth. That was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. I hate the Joker so much, man. <laughs> Spencer, Spencer will back me up on this. He he knows how shit of a movie the Joker is. I told is. you not to see it. I really did. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying, okay, there's a difference between like, okay, this is a bad movie or something like that, but it's so bad that you regret seeing it. Me it's and Kevin bad. have seen a string of bad movies this year. Like Godzilla was a bad movie. Uh, Men in Black was a bad movie. But you you saw them. You're like, yeah, that's a bad movie. This movie is so bad that it makes you regret watching it in the first place. You wish your eyes could unsee it. Your brain could forget it. The whole nine yards. Yeah, I don't. I just I feel like a worse person having seen Joker. Wow. <laughs> I feel like less of a less of a human. Um, but this is a a Star Wars podcast, and we are here to talk some Mandalorian. Uh, the episode four uh, came out on Friday. Um, what did we all think? Chapter four, Sanctuary, a bit of a change of pace episode with uh, Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian trying to hightail it out of town after this big gunfight between the Mandalorian covert and the uh, Guild of Bounty Hunters. Uh, they land on this remote, like you know, not really a dense planet. As far as population, not really any industry, anything really exciting going on on this planet. It seems like the perfect place uh, for two uh, creatures on the run to hide. And uh, they eventually <clears throat> they eventually, you know, settle down uh, in a village. They meet Cara Dune. Hilarity ensues. We see some pirates. We see some ATSTs. Uh, generally fun change of pace, character driven episode. What do you guys think about chapter four of The Mandalorian? This was my favorite episode of the whole series so far. The thing I liked about it is uh, you kind of delve deeper into the relationship between the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Like, more than ever, we kind of find out what his motives are and, like, why he tried to do it. He says, like, I was just trying to give the kid a better life, which I found very interesting because the reality is we don't really know why he went back. Like, we know he felt bad, but he went to the fullest extent possible to give this kid a life and makes you wonder what like we get he wants to have a better life but there has to be something a little deeper to that and i just kind of like how they delved into that we saw and we saw that the mandalorian has a more quote-unquote human side that doesn't even really make sense in star wars but no but i get i get it because he's kind of like he has this hardened exterior he, he is more detached because he's a bounty hunter and his job is capturing people and bringing them to you know, back to grief cargo, whoever God knows, and God knows what happens to them afterwards. So you lose your sense of humanity in that way, because obviously like that's, you know, in a vacuum, that seems like an inherently cruel thing to do. But peeling that back to seeing more of like a character, I, I agree is like, we saw more of that from him in this episode. And I think that's where the, the biggest value of chapter four comes from. Fredo, Fredo what did you think about a uh, chapter four? Hmm. I'm rewatching it right now, and I think it's grown on me since the first time I've seen it. Ooh. It is a character episode, and we 
Spencer covered mo- most of it about you know you you dive a little bit more into the Mandalorian character, but it did leave me questions throughout that whole episode about what ha- whatever happened to the to rest of the Mandalorian crew. You can take a guess that you know they just split up trying to reorganize and whatnot. But that was something that was on my mind throughout the entire episode. It was like and, what was going on with the Mandalorian covert. Yeah, it just you know, as you said, it was a change of pace episode, and that's an extreme change of pace with how like the first three episodes were boiling up to that moment, and it just breaks off into into this. Uh, but I did enjoy the characters, the the newcomers from Cara Dune's character and Omera. I think I, I I definitely enjoyed the the interactions between Mandalorian and Omera a little bit more than with Cara Dune, just because it made me question some some of the some of the Mandalorian and what what he's end up going to doing, and if maybe if his mission's going to change and. His, his relationship with baby yoda i agree i think like uh when you have you know the mandalorian you know really telling someone else about you know what it's like what what the culture is like through his perspective i think that provided like a really interesting like you know like setting the table for their chemistry to grow between uh the widow omera and and himself and i think like as the show goes on and he learns more about her too obviously she's like combat trained in to some degree because she's you know an expert shot uh like which pissed off a lot of people on twitter yeah of course wait till they find out that a woman directed this one again back to back (laughs) episodes we had the woman directing the mandalorian i know the the last jedi incels aren't going to be happy about the the fandom menace as we can stop calling them incels the incels (laughs) is a really harsh word to say i'm really glad like one the Phantom Menace is the dumbest name I've ever heard in my entire it is. life. For anyone to call themselves or or identify as being in the Phantom Menace is patently ridiculous and hilarious. And I will always scream virginity. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like calling someone an incel may be kind of harsh. So it's easier to just like, okay, if this is what you want to be called, it sounds equally ridiculous. So we'll just call you the Phantom <laughs> Menace. So yeah, they were already mad that like the. Uh, as soon as they found out that one, a woman directed this episode of the Mandalorian and two, that there are two women in this episode who uh, have, you know, strong characteristics. It was over for them. It was over. The Mandalorian gets woke. Oh yeah. It's a, it's full SJW propaganda at this point. (laughs) I saw a hashtag going around though. The force is female now. Oh God. Yeah. Is that that what they're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just don't understand. It, it, Star Wars has always been like there's always been strong female characters throughout the entire series. Literally, you know, like from, from Princess movie. Leia in the original trilogy to uh, Ahsoka to uh, to, to Rey, Leia now Padme. It, it it it's all over, and just you know, you get a few characters, two of them in one episode, and it's just you know they go batshit crazy can't handle it man you get one at a time please one at a time (laughs) um i I, my thoughts on this episode is that uh i think that uh the show is like the opposite of formulaic in like a really really good way uh we talked about it on the original version of this episode uh it feels like each episode possesses its own like vital comp uh component that will like ultimately come together to uh boost the you know 
overall product. It's like a, a TV show Megazord, you know, um, you know, when you had like episode one, it's like a, it's a nice little introduction to, you know, the world and like getting a little tease of Mandalorian culture as well. Second episode is incredibly character driven. It's about, you know, the baby Yoda and the Mandalorian episode three. Uh, it's just action packed. It's like the biggest, it's the most action that we've seen in the show so far. And now we're at a point where, again, it's really getting into who the Mandalorian is like as a person. Yeah. And we can touch upon the thing that we've been touching around at the same time. Like that we, we were all right. Basically that he isn't an actual uh, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He, like he is, but he's not like, he wasn't born into Mandalorian culture. Like, like he said, his village or whatever was like destroyed uh, during the clone wars. Cause we saw battle droids and stuff like that. Cause as like, we know like Mandal, like the actual planet of Mandalore is like self-destructed, like full on uh, Krypton style, basically. Um, like a civil war so we're it, it, the the story's getting a little more together now and of course we'll probably see more of that goes along but we, we again saw a reinforcement of the fact of how dedicated he is to be like to being a mandalorian even though he isn't one basically uh because at the end like the the girl um appeals to his like humanity side and says like dude like you live a pretty wild life like you should just settle down like baby yoda's happy here like you seem to have been enjoying yourself, you know, like, I'm sure you want to not be doing this. And even before Baby Yoda tries to get assassinated, like, he makes the decision, like, before that happens, that he's like, nah, I got to do my thing. I got to be with my people. Like, they gave me everything. And as much as I love this life, I can't do it because it's not, it's not what I'm meant to be, to do. Like, he's like, this is the way, basically. I think he says that. This is the way. Yeah, he, uh, when he's kind of, like, explaining what Mandalorian cult, like, what it really means to be a Mandalorian, it's it really like has like parallels of like you know situations where you know people who are born into a religion maybe not having like you know the same perspective as someone who adopts the religion later on in life it's that's very much how it seems to me because like we said the mandalorian isn't native to mandalore he yeah he he was a child uh, on another planet being invaded by the separatist army and for some like in, in i guess we'll find out at some point in this episode the mandal or at, in the season the the Mandalorian covert that he's rolling with at the beginning of the show uh, ends up rescuing him, and I think that like that establishes like this great appreciation, and I think is like the foundation of how dedicated he is to the ideals you know that are set up to him like for him in as to being like what what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? This is what it means. This is the way you know. Yeah. And so like when when you talk about like when you talk about the that phrase in particular, this is the way like. Uh, we can get into this now like obviously this is mandalorian culture has changed since the empire like i think that's very clear because obviously they're not on mandalore anymore they're like hiding and yeah we saw I mean, that only saw... one came out of hiding at a time they said exactly like only one of them is allowed to be above ground <clears throat> and so like when you say like this is the way it what it means to me is that like this is like you know we talked about this in the original version that we should probably stop referencing because no one knows what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> it's like the unedited VHS uh, tapes of A New Hope. It's like about... the lost episodes. <laughs> There's a lot of dark stuff on it from the dark field memes. 
the Garfield. I'll try I'll try and salvage that audio because I think the world <laughs> needs to hear that little tangent we went on about Demon Garfield. That can be like bloopers or whatnot. <laughs> I, I think it will be eventually. But as far as um the whole this is the way thing, uh I do think that like Mandalorians had to adopt like a an ideal like ideals of just survivalism, just being like, okay, we're being hunted essentially, because obviously there's there was this great conflict between uh the Empire and the Mandalorians at some point in time, you know, after the Clone Wars. Because, you know, we still really don't know how the end of the Mandalorian conflict, the Civil War, uh went you know with like overthrowing death watch and whatnot and we'll probably see an answer to that in the clone war series but as far as like what happened in between episode three and four and then throughout the entire imperial regime uh we don't really know what happened and so there was this like apparently this huge fucking like purge of mandalorians and it left them without a home and it left them like on the run and so that this is what they have to do that's why they don't remove their helmets anymore and like you know stuff like that because in the past like mandalorians removed their helmets like it was it was no big deal because it truly wasn't but now it's like now it's like a bound by honor kind of thing yeah it's kind of an extremist thing Mm -hmm. um but this episode was kind of you can connect it's like the first episode when the the i forgot his name the dude that says i have spoken challenges mando to to ride the blurg Yes, and he questions his his Mandalorian culture, and Mando clearly has a need to prove himself as a Mandalorian mm-hmm. at that moment. So I, that's a, that's a cool thing to co- connect between these episodes and how the story is unraveling. I definitely think he does take being a Mandalorian incredibly seriously. He definitely does. I mean, and th- and we uh, see that. Yeah, he has a a Jango Fett comparison between. Both they both have the same story growing up. But their their parents were killed, and they were both taken in by Mandalorian warriors and trained as Mandalorian. Spence, any thoughts on Mandalorian culture? I just don't think we're gonna see it. Like I, I like this episode did give us more of an incline, but like I kind of predicted in the last episode, like when they like went out, they like went out. Uh. Uh, I I almost think that's the right decision because that's not the direction the season has gone in. Like this whole Baby Yoda thing, obviously, like derailed the whole not derailed the season, but that w- that clearly even after this episode because it looked like he was going to drop him off and like be on his merry way. Uh, like we know for sure now that in my mind that this is all the the story with Baby Yoda is going to develop even further, and like when Mandalorians went all Iron Man and like flew out of the atmosphere and their suits and stuff like that i don't think we see him until season two and the story with baby yoda is going to develop develop into something bigger like the story is obviously not going to end because they could have ended it yeah i mean i i see what you're saying i i it's just the the weird thing with this episode was the time uh it didn't feel like weeks and months as he was like explaining throughout the scene uh throughout the show episode but I'm pretty sure he wants to meet up with him after a few months. That that was his original plan with uh, playing low for a few months with Baby Yoda. And it's been a few months from the start of this episode to the very end. I think after the next episode, which we already know the synopsis for, I think at least towards the end of next episode or the episode after, he's going to meet up with them again. And they're going to have their big climax towards the end of the season. 
one of the um one of the strengths i think this show has is that like it's really like centered it's really it's it, it's driven by one like big story and there are like elements of it that branch off that kind of try to boost that story and i think that the whole like belonging to a the mandalorian tribe and stuff like that and his identity within that uh you know that culture is like one of the side you know storylines that boosts this overall baby yoda uh you know narrative yeah and i think that like i think the sh- the show supports that because these episodes aren't really long we've talked about that and we've i've talked less and less about it as this podcast has gone on because i think it's really a choice that kind of supports that you know that narrative philosophy that they have because when you have this one main storyline that you're following there's really like that that other runtime would usually be served in traditional shows like would have been served for like subplots or like stuff that didn't have to do particularly with the mandalorian but everything is kind of centered around the mandalorian baby yoda is like the the driving force but we have this thing on the side that kind of like establishes his identity. So I'm kind of in between you guys in that, like I think it is something that we kind of fully explore in later season. I do think that the rest of this season is kind of going to kind of be focused primarily. Like I think if any, if we get any more of this Mandalorian culturalism, it's going to be like bits and pieces. It's never going to like fully take center stage, at least not this season, in my opinion. Yeah, I think every episode is like a, its own separate plot, but it, it ties into the bigger plot in some in some way. It's not like the like the rest of the like the binge heavy TV shows going around, and this it's why that it's why it's spaced out every week instead. But every episode we are gonna see a little bit more of like just into his character it's slowly unraveling this this episode did explain the most about about his character episode three we saw him and how he connected to the mandalorians episode so two we saw a little bit more of his character again with his relationship with baby yoda and the first episode was just laying out the entire set, setting of what's going on mm-hmm. what did we um what did we think about cara dune obviously gina carano was billed as one of the bigger stars of this show and that she would be kind of like a central, uh, you know, point or character in the plot. Um, what did we think about her introductory episode? What do we think about her as a character so far? Spencer, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't, it's so in, it's so interesting to me, like how the show handles characters. Like, just like a step back for a second. Like, we always see these characters displayed, and we kind of get their story, and we kind of delve into them, but then we like never see them again. I don't. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I like that. To be honest with you, it kind what of feels like haven't he... we seen again? Like, uh, who, who are you talking about? Who comes to mind when you say that? The bounty hunter robot, which I know isn't like a, a major character or anything, but he seemed to be like. And also, the guy that says I have spoken, it kind of seemed like on his journey he would be collecting this crew of people, and that's kind of the idea that we even got from like the trailers. And I don't know, it doesn't have the to posters follow. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, the posters. Yeah. I kind of thought he'd have this developing relationship and it would be kind of interesting to me to see these characters interact. And in reality, we just kind of see one-offs and I don't know. I, I wish there was something more to it because I, I, I've liked all the characters that we've seen and it's almost like he has tried to recruit all these people and they say no. I, don't, I wonder what the choice 
behind like the reason for that is i, I would I'm imagine all... we've seen them again but i at this point i really don't even know i'm always wary of stuff like that because like you know the we still have four more episodes and so we like i the only person I definitively believe that like we're done seeing in, in the show, at least this season, is the Ugnaught, the I Have Spoken guy. I think we do see IG-11 rear his head back around. I think I think we will see Kara Dune some more. And I do think we'll see, like, for that matter, we'll see Grief Karga as well. So, like, I one that, like, I get that feeling, one, because of the trailers that we've seen, because, like, retroactively looking back at them, like you see like settings that we haven't seen in, in the episodes that have released so far that like, you know, have those, you know, characters in them. So I do think we'll see IG-11 and Cara Dune and, and Grief Karga again. I think it'll all come back in this roundabout way then, and it'll make sense. I trust the, the, the storytelling of this show to make it make sense because they, they really haven't, you know, steered us wrong yet, in my opinion. Yeah, we still don't know who sent IG-11. Uh... We're we're inclined to assume it was John Carlo Episito's character, and I know he's in the trailers. We're probably gonna get him towards later in the season, but it could have been him that sent IG Eleven, and he probably salvaged him. I can see IG Eleven returning at some point. I would probably you know err on that side as well, actually. Yeah, but um, I don't know if we see Kara Dune's character anymore. Uh, didn't the episode end off with her staying there on that planet? Yeah, she's she's staying on uh, Sorgan. Yeah, and Mandalorian will be yeah, it's, dipping out. Pretty sure she's done with all this. He might return to that to that planet. But that's that's all I see. I don't know. I think I honestly do think that we're gonna see her her like at some point because I do think that I think Spencer's right. I think that like the show gives you like the promotional material for the show gave you this impression that like we're gonna have this big band of like merry bounty hunters all hanging out together and i think that's that's eventually what it's going to come to in my opinion that would be that would be awesome i i do love all the characters but we're gonna have we our avengers have endgame power. moment yeah i mean we all know how infamous star wars is with misdirection yeah definitely definitely um so let's uh let's try and get into the uh mvp talk what do we who do we got for our episode mvps uh for chapter four guys Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send out send out my MVP uh, quickly. It's we we spoke about this. He he wasn't in the episode, but yeah, this is was... actually all just for you guys. We already fucking know who the MVPs are. Yeah, <laughs> we just have to say this again because we because we because Craig fucked up our last episode, man. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> Maybe I should flip my MVP to to the to, to the cat. That scared off Baby Yoda. The lost cat. <laughs> <laughs> please don't Maybe start the Garfield the, talk the, again, please. Eleven. <laughs> please don't start the the Demon Garfield talk again. Please. <laughs> that was killing me. But I no longer require eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, let me just get this out quickly. It was my episode MVP is Warner Herzog, and he's he plays the client in episode one and two. The, the the imperialist loyalist imperial loyalist but an article came out this week about how baby yoda the the, <laughs> the the producers of of the mandalorian wanted to change baby yoda to complete cgi because they weren't convinced he, he was cute enough and Bastard. warner herzog the client called them out 
and call them cowards for doing so. That's like that. <laughs> he, he, I want to make him my MVP just based off this episode, how cute baby Yoda was. And I just, I can't see myself without him after all this. We're giving all the credit to Warner Herzog just for, he was the, he was the savior, the Messiah of baby Yoda. <laughs> I'm, I'm very grateful. I mean, we, we've seen how hideous other creatures be from, um, I'm not going to get to Ewok slander. I know, I know Ewok. Oh, that's coming. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he saw something that was extremely adorable. He fought for it, and the entire internet is happy he did because Baby Yoda is a raving success right now, and we're all waiting on toys to come out. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I I said this the other the other night too. Like, uh, it's it's funny that he fought so hard for this. Like, he went as far as to call people cowards, which is a wild thing to do, man. Like, what? Like, going yeah. calling someone a coward is such an escalation in in like animosity <laughs> he's like you I'm just so go out of nowhere and you call someone a coward like hey man like fuck you to call me a coward <laughs> like no but like the thing the funniest thing about that is that like werner herzog like has no fucking idea what star wars is he's never watched star wars like he's he's on the record saying like yeah dude i've never ever watched star wars before but this project was really cool and like for him to be that enamored with something that like seems to, like kind of intrinsically linked to like star wars like inherently and like in what its essence is in you know a baby version of jedi master yoda like that's really cool to me that he was like he was that in on baby yoda that like he wanted to fight for it even though he really had no idea what it was yeah i mean baby yoda steals every single scene he's in i i really love the the beginning scene of this episode with him in the in the ship that, that's become a, a huge meme of great new meme spencer have you seen the have you seen the baby yoda memes based on like that first scene no <laughs> there are like there are like videos of him like when he's pressing the buttons in the razor crest in the ship they're just yeah. like playing different it's like he's playing songs on the, on the stereo or something like <laughs> yeah and they just keep putting in different songs and it's fucking hilarious it is the first that one i saw was, was so cute I know it was, it was like the my favorite because we didn't even talk about this last time. My favorite part was like he was like the Mando Mandalorian was like, hey, fucking stop that, please. And yeah. he's like staring at him like dead in the face. And he does and he flicks the next button and like all the shit <laughs> starts to rattle. It. Oh, dude, it was, I was I was doubled over laughing. A little so troll. Funny. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. He's so I'm, I'm, I'm rewatching the scene right now and he, he's just so small. He's barely ankle high. It's, it's adorable watching him walk alongside of him it's like if an actual baby were walking yeah but even then like i think baby yoda is like smaller than that. yeah no he, he's extre- he's like the size of a teddy bear <laughs> it's really dangerously we talked to, like it's dangerous he's dangerously cute to the point where it's like you kind of worry about him distracting from the 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 storylines in the show he is definitely distracting but his cuteness hasn't taken away from the plot not yet. yet. No, not yet. Episode three was like heart wrenching, seeing him walk away and look towards the Mandalorian. Huh. And yeah, that that that. I mean, he was the the soul of that scene. So and even it in this episode too, yet, but when, it could happen. In this episode too, the Mandalorian gets to the point where he's like, "All right, I'm ready to leave this kid behind and move on." And I was furious. I, I was ready thoughts. to call him. I was ready to call him a deadbeat. Like he's just like, how fucking dare you want to leave Baby Yoda behind? Even if it's the best, like the best case scenario for this situation. Like that's 
I was mad, dude. I was pissed. Yeah, me too. I mean, he's making a smart parental decision, but for us, I we, we <laughs> I, I can't continue like this. But it, it gave us like the real pressure that eventually he's gonna get rid of Baby Yoda in some format, and I'm just not ready for it. Spencer, who is your uh, episode MVP for Chapter Four? Uh, I'm going with Baby Yoda, and I'm gonna drop the bombshell that I dropped yesterday, and that I think Baby Yoda used a Jedi mind trick <laughs> on the Mandalorian to protect him. <laughs> this, is, I, this definitely yeah. seemed like something that popped into your head while wildly inebriated as you were yesterday. No, I and was it doesn't seem capable. It doesn't seem any less fit the second time around. This dude was. This dude is so committed to the guild and to the Mandalorians that out of nowhere, he, he I, I decided the moment that he did it is the moment when the bounty hunter had the gun to his head and then he shot him. I think Baby Yoda used his Jedi mind tricks at that point to think that he loves him more than anything. Like, I don't think Baby Yoda is like fully capable of like lying. I think he's a child, but he still knows how to use it. And he's like, oh man, the only way I survive this is if I use my Jedi mind tricks right now. Right as here. fun as that theory is, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Boba Fett, I'm pretty sure, has been immune to Jedi mind tricks because of his armor. It's not I even think his like, armor. It's like oh, something you can that. train yourself mentally. Like Jedi mind tricks, like we've seen, is like Jedi something smart. Don't even exist, basically, don't even exist in that universe, though. That's he, true. Like he wouldn't have learned. No one's gonna sit him down and be like, "Hey, why don't you prepare yourself for this thing? These people that don't even exist anymore." That is a fair point. The Jedi are essentially a myth at this point. No one really like knows whether or not they ever definitively did exist, which is an excellent propaganda, excellent propaganda work by the Empire, because it wasn't even that long ago, and people had just completely forgotten about the Jedi. But um, I know you guys don't like the truth, but just laid it out for you all. Get it away from me, man. I, I'm not even dignifying that. That's patently ridiculous. My episode MVP is going to be Cara Dune uh, yes. for one simple reason. Uh, she stopped Baby Yoda from getting absolutely yes. just snaked. Bounty Hunter so almost cool. the Bounty Hunter almost blew Baby Yoda's head off. Like it was it was within dude. It was so close. And uh, obviously, like she was the episode MVP for, you know, she was the driving force in, you know, most of the episode's events. And she, you know, lures the ATST into the into the pond and, you know, allows them to allows Mando and her and the, all the villagers to win the conflict. And for those reasons, yeah, that's cool, whatever. But Baby Yoda would be dead right now without her. She's yeah. the MVP. Plain and simple. She's cut so and dry. Cool. Don't at me. Gina Carano, fantastic. Shout out to Las Vegas. <laughs> a Vegas native. I would love her. She's beautiful and intimidating at the same time. Dude, I need her to hammer fist my face in. <laughs> She's a former MMA fighter. I know she could do it, man. Yeah. Gina Carano, please beat me up. <laughs> she gives me a lot of Nia Jax vibes. No, you, yeah, you said that yesterday. Like... What do you think? What do you think about the Nia Jax vibes that that uh, Fredo is getting from Cara Dune, Spencer? Interesting. Oh, the, I, this is a good like segue to talk about this. I did talk about it last night. And I remember hand to hand combat was like a major upgrade in this episode. Punches felt like so impactful, and we saw a little bit of hand to hand combat. But man, like every time like she punched him or like they punched those like little forest dudes, it's pretty crazy. Like you felt it. I was like, ooh, like when you watch it, you're like, oh sh- <laughs> shit, that's crazy. Yeah. It's broken bones. They're like busting kneecaps and stuff. So I really Punisher like level, 
Punisher level action. Yeah, that's all. in a sense, yeah, gritty. No one I got just their don't eyes, guys got anything, but yeah. How people are so comfortable punching the Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> it's it's very it much like the sense. nfl like like we talked about we uh it's when when people like when players in the nfl fight each other why do you punch the guy who's wearing a helmet it doesn't seem like a logical like execution of thoughts like hey man this is best like it's very clearly beskar steel in his helmet like yeah. which has been you know presented to us as like one of the most valuable like alloys in the entire star wars universe why would imagine, you still try like, and punch him? Yeah. Imagine like intentionally punching Captain America's shield. <laughs> Just shatter your the bones in your hand to dust right away. Exactly. Incredible, incredible stuff that we had that we saw action wise. I think that what we like, I think that each episode has like the each episode of the Mandalorian has presented us with like unique action that's been like really engaging. And I think that's one of the coolest things. That uh, that I appreciate the most about this show, but uh, that's gonna be our episode MVPs for Fredo. It's gonna be the client, aka Werner Zog. Uh, for me, Cara Dune, and for Spencer, it's gonna be Baby Yoda. So uh, let's move on to uh, our final thoughts on the episode. Uh, what are we giving this episode out of ten, Fredo? Uh, Has your rating changed from last night? It's it's a little bit more bullish. I gave it like in between seven and a half and eight. I'm gonna just give it a solid eight this time. Uh, just rewatching it, it, there's a lot of enjoyable aspects to it. I guess one of the biggest things I want to talk about are is the ATST and how scary it, it it was on screen. And it's that's the first time I've been like intimidated by an ST, ATST. Uh, they they were in like legit danger. We. I mean, you know, dating back to the original trilogy, just them making a mockery of the AT-ATs, taking them down ropes and just, you know, blowing up the Death Star with Ewoks and everything. I know we're going to get into that. But a lot of the Empire stuff, they're just not scary to us. And this is the, the, the scariest I've seen in ATST, besides the Fallen Order when you're playing in Grandmaster and you have to take it down. But... <laughs> No, I, I I gotta applaud them for this. It's, it's the same thing we've talked about about like the the new trilogy and Force Awakens and Last Jedi. That, yeah, when lightsabers are turned on, how like just scary they are. Just hearing their their, their hums and being slashed around, like you you actually get scared for some of the characters facing them, and it's the same effect with the ATST for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that's one of the biggest parts of like the sequel, like the Disney era of Star Wars is that like what they've done with the original, like, and obviously people are going to disagree because they hate the, the, this new era of Star Wars. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's for children. Yeah. And like, you always have to ha- be of that, like, uh, that mindset, like have that perspective and it'll be much easier to enjoy this. Um, but like one of my favorite things about it is that it, like you said, it's taking like these old parts of like traditional Star Wars, the Star Wars that we know and love and putting the, them in these new contexts that I think are like overall make them more meaningful. We saw that like we see it with like something as simple as the ATST being presented as just fucking menacing, just like harbinger of death and suffering for this small village of farmers. And then, you know, we see it like on a grander scale with like the entire character of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. So I think that like that's something they very much like focus on and prioritize in 
this new era of Star Wars. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most um, yeah, with mean, Disney Star Wars. Yeah, uh, Disney has made Star Wars really scary with the action. I mean, Darth Vader in Rogue One, that's the scariest he's ever Savage. been on the screen. It's, it's a legit <laughs> horror scene. They, they have no chance, and he's just marching right at you, cutting everything down. The music on that scene and everything, it's just horrible. It's amazing. Uh, Spencer, what is your episode rating for Chapter 4 out of 10? I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, I just want to say that I agree with you guys that the, the show is like developing to make the Empire seem more believable. Because we kind of see them as a bunch of knuckleheads in like episodes 4, 5, and They're 6 to an extent. goofballs. Yeah, and this show has made them seem like not goofballs at all. Especially like in episode three when he was going through the building and like yelling like John Wick on him. Like there was still like a tactical nature to like who he was fighting. And now I can see how this like group of this organization or whatever like was actually like threatening to take over the entire galaxy, which I think is really cool, especially with the walkers, which were seen as little baby toys that reminded me that remind me of uh, the first Robocop movie, like those little like sent century and things that kind of wobble around and look all goofy and stuff like mm. that so uh yeah i i just like this episode is like about self-empowerment and stuff like that too and i just like when shows have positive messages like that like the original power rangers series i remember like one of the episodes was about like cleaning up trash and stuff like that but <laughs> like, it's just good because kids are like this disney are like yeah disney has transformed star wars to be for kids which it should because they make a billion dollars and those are the people who are going to be buying toys not 40 year old men in their basements i think it's always like, going to be for like contrary to what like people like lucas and others will say because i do think that to a degree george lucas doesn't really understand star wars sometimes this is for kids it's it's a kids it's kids in nature it's a story that you kind of teach children to try and like show them like the lessons of like morality and stuff like that like inherently star wars is for children we love it anyway like it's it's because the characters in it like that they speak to us as adults and they speak to different perspectives that we have, whether it be like through race or culture or anything like that. And yeah. especially age. So like there's stuff that like, what's great about it is that it, it's, it's designed for these children because it's designed for children to be able to consume it, but it resonates with us as, you know, adults, grown adults. And I think that's why like star Wars rules. Like that's why star Wars is cool. Because it's yeah. this chill, like, but you always, like, I think it's always important to maintain that belief, like, this is a children's, like, this is primarily, like, for kids. Yeah. But, I mean, um, for kids, yeah. but we, we've had the scariest sequences in, in, in all of Star Wars and the uh, Disney era. Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren's introduction in Force Awakens had everyone in the, in Crazy. the theater, like, frozen. It's horrifying. It's the first time we see a laser bolt in the air, just freezing everyone in his path, cutting down entire villages. Yep. So uh, nine and a half for Spencer, going to be an eight. And is it eight or eight and a half for you? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half. Uh, I bump, I'm bumping it up. I had it at an eight last night. I'm bumping it up because there are aspects of this episode that, like, I definitely, like, it's not even really, like, anything wrong with the episode i think an eight like an eight and a half is a, a fantastic rating it's just like it is it doesn't take itself too seriously which i appreciate because i think that like you risk it kind of being like this brooding dark like Zack snydery show if it kind of keeps going on the trajectory that the previous three episodes set so in the in the sense of like it being a change of pace with like 
hey, we're joking around more. The Manda Mandalorian is like, you know, he's kind of like he's like a little more laid back than he was because he 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 knows that he's not in like imminent danger. Like that kind of stuff I can really appreciate. It's just like the it going from last episode to this episode, it feels like okay, it may have been in this particular sense, may have been a better idea to kind of follow up on all of the action and the story from the previous episode rather than going on this change of pace. And that may be where like points get taken off there, but still like, I don't, that's a nitpick ultimately for me. So I think this episode really like doesn't have anything wrong with it. And it's, it's really like one of the more enjoyable, like you can watch that back and like really enjoy it because it's, it's funny. It, it really has everything you need. It's got the action. It's funny. Yeah. It's emotional. All of that stuff. And it's a really just solid all-around episode. So an eight and a half for me. Yeah. Any final thoughts on chapter four, gentlemen, before we move? I do have a question. So uh, we got a little bit more information about it. Helmet and when he takes it off and everything. Do you guys think we're gonna see Pedro Pascal under there by the end of the season? Or yes or no? Yes. I do no. think so. You can't you can't can't pay for Pedro Pascal and then knock at his face. It's- yeah. Ridiculous. He's too pretty. Yeah. Why do you disagree, Spencer? Like we saw him take off the mask, but we we also saw how dedicated he is to the Mandalorian like culture. Uh so clearly he he isn't he's not there yet where he's like ready to quit it all and he takes being a Mandalorian very seriously because it's it's the only life he's literally alive because of Mandalorian. So I think he takes yeah. it to the end. I think the context that it's going to be in, because I ultimately do think it's going to happen, I think he's going to be able to like convince the rest of the tribe, like, okay, it's all right. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We're not being hunted anymore. Yeah, like it's all right for us to to take the helmets off now. I think so that, it has fine. to be in that context, especially. I think he was speaking to the audience when he said, "If anyone else sees me in this mask, I can never put it back on." I think that was directly to us. Yeah, in the sense of like it's more like an identity. Like people know him specifically as that Mandalorian with the helmet on. If you ever see, if they ever see him with the helmet off, like he, that the mystique is gone, that, that, you know, the intimidation that he has on people, the, the image of that people have of him kind of like goes away. You can never really put it back on literally without like, and have the same effect, you know? Yeah. Do you think uh, they show off his face? Do you think he has a beard? Yes or no? Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I think he's got some some scruffy things. He has to, right? When does he start? When does he shave? <laughs> you know, he says he takes it off when he was by himself. Hmm. He has to eat. Yeah, or, I always I thought that the price are for intergalactic razors. <laughs> you imagine the Mandalorian just going at like a, a bodega in a in a fucking like spaceport. <laughs> purchasing razors. Dude, that's the kind of shit like people hate like the Dexter Jetster scene in uh Attack of the Clones. I thought that was so cool. It was like, oh, okay, this is where people on Coruscant like go to eat. Yeah, it's a fucking like fifties like Route sixty six style diner. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, all right, so that's gonna be episode four. Talk Sanctuary, uh, The Mandalorian, episode four. Gold stars all around from everyone uh, on the Blue Milk Boys here. It was a solid episode, but it is time to move on. We are going to talk. Return of the Jedi, folks. We've been talking about all of the Skywalker Saga uh, movies, 
you know, each of the iterations of that story leading up to the uh, the conclusion, the finale, the rise of Skywalker. Just three weeks away, less than three weeks away now. We are in December, guys. It's December first. We're in Rise of Skywalker. That's crazy. It is crazy. We're running wow. out of time. We're running out of time to talk about all these episodes. We might have to do some some extra bonus pods to talk about all these movies before that move uh, before Rise of Skywalker comes out. I would not, no. not mind doing that. Yeah, I remember stay tuned for that, guys. Yeah, I remember as soon as the last Jedi finished, and they already announced the date for the Rise of Skywalker is going to be two years down the line. I was, <laughs> I was sad, dude. I was like, hey, I'm hashtag shot. Wait, the, the next movie is going to be two years after the uh, the last movie. No, we found out that no, like as far as setting, I'm. I mean, you guys lost me. Oh, <laughs> I think Spencer oh, fucking just say when we were watching <laughs> Last Jedi. I, when Last Jedi was released, they already announced right. the date for the next, uh, the final movie in the trilogy. Yes, and that it, it would be two, two years. years later. Later. Oh, I thought you were saying like the like <laughs> the rise of Skywalker is like two years after the conclusion of the Last Jedi. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. There is going to be a time jump. We know that, but. Uh, we are going to talk Return of the Jedi this week uh, in line. We talked about uh, Empire Strikes Back previously. Um, rave reviews for Empire Strikes Back. It's still good, folks. It's a really good movie. Return of the Jedi, I cannot say the same personally. What do you guys think of Return of the Jedi? Growing up, it was my favorite Star Wars film. Uh, just because of how awesome Skywalker was. Like, it just, everything came together. But, you know, as, I, as, as I've gotten older, you know, you question a lot of the, the decision making, like between like Luke Skywalker's plan in the very beginning and on Tatooine trying to free Han Solo and, and everyone. Oh, we'll talk. It about doesn't make that. sense. So, I mean, as time went on, I still love the film. But between the beginning and all the way to like the final arc of the movie, it, it gets pretty boring. So. It, it is my least favorite of the trilogy. It is. It's a little bit lower in the entire like Star Wars uh, filmography. So yeah, a wise man once said that Re- Empire Strikes Back was the last good Star Wars movie made before Disney bought Lucasfilm. Yep, and I tend to agree. Spencer, what do you think of Return of the Jedi? There are just a few small things that bother me. Uh, first, I want to mention. That I don't like that Disney Plus has the newest version of that the movie. chaps my ass actually. They, it's really gosh. bad that you can't watch like not like not not even just like a just Return of the Jedi. It's all of them like they're like the over edited like shitty versions of of the original trilogy. Which it's just the CGI looks so bad and out of place. Yeah. It like takes you out of the scenes. I just why why would he do that? Why did he do it in the first place? First of all, no one needed that. No one needed That's the, the new CGI cut of the movies. That's the thing, too, because people like A New Hope in a vacuum, like with its flaws and everything, I think is like a perfect, a perfect movie. Like there's like the the pacing, all of that kind of stuff. And it's just like the special effects are still like they still hold up to a degree. Yeah. Like why change it? Like why add like. Like we under we have a good enough feeling of what most Isley is without George Lucas CGing a big fucking like creature walking around the spaceport like. Why did we need this? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Spencer. It's, the, the changes seem just dumb and unnecessary. The other thing that really bothers me is the whole like English 
in in the movie it's like <laughs> the whole galaxy understands english but no one can speak it so like no one no one has the capability of being bilingual in the star wars universe uh so in the scene where jabba is talking to leia but she's like rap, 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 rap. Which, first of all how does she even know that language like that, that doesn't make sense at all either uh in any case so she speaks to him in the weird language and then jabba just repeats it to him in english so they both understand English. Like a translator <laughs> would not use a third like language to secure this transaction. Why would he not speak in Java's language? And why would he not speak in her language? Between, I get it. This because a movie, but it just really bothers me. And it's, it's not the only scene. Every scene where someone's speaking a different language, everyone understands English. But like <laughs> nobody knows how to say, like speak it. That doesn't make sense. It's annoying. Just do the whole movie in English. Seriously, I don't. I don't like. Uh, it's so Dude. annoying. <laughs> I, it's funny. Like you're talking about it. I was like, Java is speaking to Leia as a disguised as a bounty hunter in Hatties, and C3PO is translating the Hatties to English to Leia as a bounty hunter, and then Leia just responds in a completely different language. And it's like, what about this this interaction? Like, is everyone not agreeing upon? Like, why are we all speaking different languages for no reason? <laughs> like, what's the point of having different languages? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense because everyone understands. I can't, I can't think about it too much because it hurts my head. <laughs> I just, it's, again, it, it takes me out of the thing. It's like, see, okay, I've actually been thinking about this a lot. C-3PO, we don't need him in the movies. He's unnecessary. He's probably he one is. of the most unnecessary characters. Like if he was out of the movie, I think it'd be fine. Like it, it's like oh, he's this charming little beep boop robot guy. But like R two D two has served like a pretty like valuable like resource like throughout. One hundred percent in various different ways. Like you can see like okay, that's cool. He's a droid. Yeah, he's the one also, that's carrying the Death Star plans. Also, yeah. I think that nothing uh, is crazier in Star Wars that no one talks about is like sentient robots. Does that does that just blow your guys' minds? Well, like, the one time they tried to talk about it and address it in Star Wars was in Solo, and everyone hated that fucking robot because they called it an, like a dumb SJW robot. And it's like that's actually like a really cool like examination into the Star Wars universe is like the the way people treat droids and how droids are kind of like living beings essentially. But everyone was like, "Oh, this is a dumb SJW robot." And it's like <laughs> it's right there, like. You want yeah. to talk about it? It's right there. The, the technology is mind blowing. They have fear. Like, first of all, what purpose does fear serve in droids? If you're designing a, a robot, does anyone have any? <coughs> there, I don't know. But my I, answers. I think, I think you were onto something with like the fact that C three PO is kind of like a useless character because I think like he's really the really only purpose he serves in like the beginning is that like the audience can't understand R two D two and they need someone to put. Well, R2D2 is saying into words. Yeah. And it kind they of just like Yeah, but then he like sprawls on to being like this own like character. Like I don't think it was ever really that necessary. Like I don't think they ever needed to be a package deal. Yeah. C3PO like I think if you take C3PO out of the out of, you know, every Star Wars movie, I think that either nothing bad happens or the movies get better because if you take C3PO out of Return of the Jedi, you likely take out the dumb Jawa subplot where apparently the heroes of the rebellion just get are dumb enough to get captured by fucking Ewoks. <laughs> Which is just it's, 
Okay, so now I'm going to talk about why I don't like this movie. And because goddamn, is it boring? And if it's not boring, it's kind of just betraying the characters. What I, my biggest pet peeve is when people talk about how The Last Jedi and the new sequel trilogy like betrays the original characteristics of like the characters that we've known and grown to love in Star Wars, like Han and, and Luke and Leia. But like this movie like is actually because like, I don't believe that those people are correct. This movie is actually guilty of that. Han Solo, like I want justice for Han Solo for what happened to him in Return of the Jedi so bad. Like I need, like I need, I need someone, I need retribution for for what happened to Han Solo because Han Solo was the coolest character in Star Wars in those first two movies. I don't think you'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. Like Han Solo was a badass. He was a yeah. badass from day from the first moment we saw him, and he's a badass ever since. Because he did whatever the hell he wanted, and he was a smooth talking dude who got the girl, and it was fucking cool. Like Han Solo's cool. And in Return of the Jedi, he's a fucking idiot. Han Solo in Return of the Jedi is a moron. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Like, it's just like I. Why is he? Why is he? He seems bored in this movie. He seems bored in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and I think a lot more justice was done to Han in Force Awakens, especially, and the Solo movie. Honestly, but I don't think it ever sh- should have even gotten to the point where he needed they needed to make up for how poorly his character was treated in Return of the Jedi because he's just like, okay, I'm gonna give the Falcon to Lando, and then we're gonna go to. En-. He just seems so apathetic the entire time, and I don't think that Return of the Jedi does go a long way in kind of restoring him, in my opinion. But it shouldn't have gotten to that point because I honestly think it would have just been more impactful to the story if Han just died in Empire Strikes Back. He's also in Incels. Harris... <laughs> Why? Go watch. Go look back and watch the scene where what he, where Leia says that uh, Lucas's brother. What the fuck are you talking about? Go. I'm telling you, please, please go watch the scene. So this is how this is how it goes down. Oh so he's like, yeah, I'll leave you guys alone. I get it. Like, you choose him. He's like, no, 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 that's my brother. And he lo- he looks surprised. He's like piecing piecing it all together. And and as soon as it clicks, the dude has the biggest smile on his face ever. Yeah, it's and then because the- he knows that like he's not gonna be dating Luke. Like, she's not gonna be dating Luke. No, he's but you can you no, but you can see <laughs> you can see the surprise on his face where he's like he doesn't understand like. So he's like, okay, clearly these two understand that they're brother and sister, and they were kissing like in front of me. And then he's he has like this a grin on his face, like he's like so excited about it. I'm telling you, dude, it's weird. You gotta get your mind out of the gutter, pal. <laughs> I'm just telling you how the scene rolls out. Look at his facial expressions and the way he goes through with it. One last thing, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> nope, we're moving on. One last thing I wanted to talk about with with this movie is like. Why is Luke's plan so shitty? Like Luke's plan no to, to liberate everyone, to liberate Han Solo from Jabba's palace and, and escape and, and get the one of the best, you know, rebellion generals back and then, you know, move forward with the plot. It's just like, it's so convoluted, man. So in essence, he sends R2 and 3PO uh, to Jabba's palace in order to bargain for Han's life. And as a as an act of goodwill, Luke gifts... Uh, R2 and 3PO to Jabba. And then when uh, that doesn't work, obviously, 
he sends Leia in disguise to give up Chewie uh, as a bounty hunter. And then, for some reason, has Leia threaten to kill everyone in the palace with a thermal detonator. So, why exactly? Why does Leia need to threaten to kill Jabba? I don't know. That, that definitely puts her life in danger. It's like, hey, I need 35,000 credits instead of fifty instead of uh, 10,000 or whatever. It's like, what the fuck do you need more credits for? You're here to rescue Han. You're just being selfish at this point. So it's like, I would love for George Lucas to uh, have an interview about this. I need him to explain this stuff. It'll pro- his face will probably drop just like he was when he was watching uh, The Phantom Menace being screened. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like... The plan is that everyone is supposed to be present at the Sarlacc pit when they're uh, supposed to be executed so that R2 can launch Luke's lightsaber into the air that he willingly gave up for no reason to, like, like why didn't Luke have his lightsaber? Like, I feel like the events in the, in the proceedings would have been a lot easier if Luke just had his lightsaber the entire time. So yeah. that didn't make any sense. It was just too much, and, it, and it's very weirdly paced, and I don't like it. And it's just one of the biggest reasons why I don't think this movie is very good. Other than the fact that we go to Endor for half the movie and for half of that half, nothing happens. And also they made like paintings, like a lot of the backdrops for this, for this movie were like just paintings and it's weird and I don't like it. So return of the Jedi is bad. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, a little bit on Luke's plan. It doesn't. I mean, he 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 force chokes someone as soon. As... So he clearly has like bloodshed on his mind, but he gave up away his lightsaber to to R two. I I I don't follow that thinking. Luke was a fucking savage in this movie. He was, <laughs> but I mean, I, I know a lot of people. You know, they 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 chalk that up to. The dark side is very present with him throughout the entire movie. So it's a moment of trial. Yeah, definitely. He kills a fucking Gamorrean guard in cold blood. Yeah. That's that. I'll say. <laughs> Goddamn, man. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, growing up also, I, I mentioned it, Luke. I just thought his outfit in Return of the Jedi was the coolest thing ever. He was. The, he was dripping. All heavy. black. Was, the kimono it was a green lightsaber this time the green lightsaber looks so much better than blue lightsaber well okay let's let's pop the brakes here really let's not pit lightsabers against one another i don't know the green lightsabers is just something to them i think the green and blue lightsabers can coexist Um, but we uh, we always want to frame these discussions in kind of like and bring them in a, in a roundabout way to the rise of Skywalker, obviously, because it's it's the big finale of this saga. So uh, what do you think the biggest connections for the rise of Skywalker uh, will be with the, uh, the return of the Jedi? Spencer, we'll start with you. Well, we know that Darth Sidious is involved in the movie at some point, and I just hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't come back alive. That's the biggest thing for me like going into the movie i i really hate that darth maul came back to life and i understand that he did it because people wanted more of him but but they did a good job man like i 
they I, had not, to. I won't I won't back down on this, dude. Like bringing back Darth Maul the way they did it, it was, was a good, good choice, but it doesn't make it was, sense. No, it does the, make the sense. The whole scene plays out. It this whole scene in episode one plays out that he literally gets chopped in half and he falls into the abyss. Dude, they they wrote Anakin him back Skywalker in. They never planned on having him back in. Anakin Skywalker gets lit on fire, dude. Yeah, After he, losing, that doesn't make sense three either. Three of his limbs. He fell into a pit of lava. It's the dark side. The dark side fueled <laughs> his his will to live. That's so stupid. It is stupid, but it's also Star Wars, so we have to accept it. Like, like that's why I choose to accept it because it's it's a dumb yeah. thing that exists in Star Wars. Darth Sidious needs to come back as a Force ghost and try to influence us all. That's all I gotta say. Or through artifacts me, or whatever. That would make me actively angry if he came back as a ghost. Oh, wow. He can't nice. come back as a ghost. I, I'm expecting uh, connecting him to an artifact. I, I think that too. It's just if he's a Force ghost, you, you can't get rid of him. He's gonna be playing yeah, I love about for the rest of eternity. That's great. <laughs> that's not great. That's what ghosts are all about. Bro, that's, <laughs> that's cool. cool. It means it. I think that'd be awesome if they turned Star Wars to a horror movie. If Please. like, if there's just like, they have to perform an exorcism on Rey to get like Darth Sidious out of her. That'd be great. <laughs> that would probably be the. I would hate that. I think actually, <laughs> like Kylo Ren has to perform like Sith alchemy on Rey to expel Darth Sidious from her. Make it happen. That'd be so dumb. <laughs> I would hate that. Anyway, uh, Fredo, how do you think this? Uh, what do you think the biggest through line will be uh, between Return of the Jedi and and the Rise of Skywalker? Well, I, I think the biggest one is is Palpatine and his return. Uh, uh, Spencer just covered it, but I'm also very interested in the relationship between Vader and Kylo. What's going to happen there? Because his thinking, Vader's thinking throughout this whole throughout the original trilogy is it. it I don't know if it flips. At, at some point in trilogy, but he definitely had a, a set of thinking about overthrowing Palpatine and doing it himself. And he had that flip at the very end of Return of the Jedi of about protecting Luke and everything. And then I was confused in Force Awakens with what happened with Kylo and why he's um he he just it's it's like Vader's whole sacrifice has just been forgotten and his about how he flipped and how he wants to finish what he started i don't think vader want wants to, to finish that but i know there's a certain characterization that anakin and vader are two separate beings mm -hmm. and you know i i just i want to see what goes on with kylo and and vader and and to see their story flesh out just exploring that relationship yeah i i, I think kylo is actually very similar to anakin especially he, he you know he he overthrew snoke he had the same mindset as anakin maybe he could do this job better but like even in the comics is prevalent that and, and in a force awakens about pull to the light it, he's not entirely a bad guy i mean he, he he's gone the lengths to be this bad guy but vader was sort of in in, in the same format you know he was felt guilty about what he did to to pad me and how far he's gone and, and whatnot so I, I would like to see what's going to happen there personally i think like palpatine is like i like the idea like of bringing him back and having him be just like this 
mastermind that was behind all of the events of like the the sequel trilogy and making him that like the one villain that has spanned across each trilogy of star wars and each iteration of the skywalker saga and then like finally defeating him in like a really meaningful way because like half of it's because return of the jedis like came out in the 80s and half of it was because i don't think they they did a really good job of killing palpatine but the way he died was kind of lame like Vader just picks him up and throws him down a hole. Like that's kind of <laughs> lame. And so I think we're going to see like this big grandiose death for Palpatine at the end of Rise of Skywalker. And I think that that's going to be fitting for like this villain that has essentially like influenced the entire galaxy many times over. Yeah. And that's what I think. Like, I think Palpatine is the linchpin here. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to connect this movie, Return of the Jedi to the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, he's been there since the beginning. He's the Phantom Menace. Is that really who he like? Is that it? Is that what it is? Like I always thought, the, who is the Phantom Menace? Is it Darth I'm pretty Maul? sure it's Palpatine. Spencer, who do you think the Phantom Menace is? I think it's actually just the title of a shitty Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think that means. you better buckle up, pal, because it, that it is the movie. Palpatine. He, I mean, he's he's the lingering guy behind everything. You know, it, it's his big plan and whatever. You know, he's tying everything together. Spence, so I do like that idea of bringing him back and letting him finish it. Finish it. You better wow. get ready, Spence, because that is the movie we are discussing next week. We are finally moving on to the prequels. We are done with the original trilogy. Next week's movie retrospective discussion will be on The Phantom Menace. Get excited, boys. Get excited. I know Spencer's excited. Uh, <laughs> I hate that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. We'll probably watch it together. Fun. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Bust out the video cards to watch away the pain. <laughs> Do we have a, uh, any final thoughts? Anything we want to get in before we move on or before we round uh, wrap up the podcast on Return of the Jedi, guys? Misa is not excited about seeing Jar Jar. <laughs> Spencer? Uh, anything on no i just I? I don't know i just i just don't like the way the characters were developed like in one two three in relation to four five six i think the that's full, most disappointing the anxiety is taken taken over for spencer on you know the the proposition of watching phantom menace again you can hear it in his voice yeah i think that's like that's the lingering thought is like we just finished four five six and six really isn't a great movie but it's just the way the characters portrayed, and like, I just don't feel like they developed. The, like, I, I just don't believe the characters developed in one, two, three are the same characters on the screen in four, five, six. I think so. we'll get we'll get deeper into that as we as we progress in this because I I kind of disagree with you there, and we'll 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 talk about exactly why as we progresses. But uh, if that's going to be it, guys, uh, thank you for watching episode or watching listening to episode four of Blue Milk Boys. Uh, it's been fun, man. I we're we've been doing this podcast for like a little over a month now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really really fun to kind of see it. Like, literally, we built this from the ground up, uh, yeah. off the back of Fredo's fifteen hundred Twitter followers, mostly. But no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we just follow a ton of good Star Wars fans. Of course, uh, shout out to all of the good Star Wars fans that we interact with on a daily Re- basis. Rest in you peace, know who you Brandon. Are. Oh man, free my guy, free my guy. <laughs> We need to get him back. He's 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 been gone too long. We got to get him yeah. back somehow. But uh, like I said, that's going to be it for episode four of Blue Milk Boys. Thank you as always for joining us. 
Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Thank you as well. This is a this is this is our podcast. This is our Star Wars podcast, and we're trying to we're trying to build it. We're trying to get it as big as possible. Grow this community. Um, if you like the pod, uh, we would love a five star rating or review on whatever platform you're listening on. Interact with us on Twitter at Blue Milk Boys. We tweet on that uh, very often. Fredo literally like will log on to that Twitter and like talk to random people about this week's episode of The Mandalorian. Like have full on conversations. Uh, I just go through the hashtags. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear everyone's opinion about. Oh. Yeah, and even on our personal Twitters, I'm at Kevin OMO underscore uh, Fredo. Fredo to God seven. Spencer's not on Twitter. He is smarter than the rest of us because he knows. You can better find Spencer on iFunny or Instagram. <laughs> you can't I'll find him on iFunny. <laughs> he will always Wait, be on iFunny. Or in the podcast, they yeah. they keep a day counter on there. Just so you guys know that I'm like a true uh, meme addict, basically. <laughs> I have been on iFunny for 2,656 days. Oh you've my been, god! You've been on that as long as I've known you. I think I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone who's been on this uh, app. Like, because I always look at people in the comment section, and I they're like, "Man, I've been on here forever. It's like three hundred and something days." I'm like, "You don't even know, <laughs> you don't know shit, son." I've been yeah, <laughs> I've known Spencer for almost ten years. Like, it, he's been on the app the entire time. Like, I've known him. That's <laughs> where you but find yeah. the real funnies. But yeah, uh, the, interact with us on social media. We want to talk to you guys about Star Wars. We're not here to argue with you. We're not going to argue with nobody. We're going to talk. We have a discussion. We got discourse, but we're not finna argue. That's the one thing we won't do. I refuse to argue about Star Wars anymore. We can have a discussion, but I can't do it anymore, man. The Last yeah. Jedi wore me down. It's I can't so argue bad. about Star Wars anymore. We can I have still argue about the Last Jedi every single day. I did it today, I it, dude. I can't. I'll, I have my opinion, and if like you dissent with it, like more fucking power to you. I'm not gonna argue with you about it though. I like that movie. I'm not gonna let anyone take my enjoyment from that movie away. So uh, if you're if you're looking for that kind of social discourse, hit us up on Twitter. Um, but for Fredo and Spencer, my name is Kevin. This has been Blue Milk Boys, and we'll see you guys next week. We have spoken. Yum, yum. Oh, hey.